1: Was, wenn deine Karriere so individuell wäre wie deine Playlist? Was, wenn du Erfahrungen machen könntest, die dir wichtig sind und die dich zu einer Führungskraft werden lassen, die die Welt bewegt? Hier wächst du stetig über dich hinaus und entwickelst Fähigkeiten, mit denen du die größten Herausforderungen unserer Zeit meisterst. Eine Karriere bei EY ist so einzigartig wie du selbst. It's yours to build. Finde auch du deinen Grund, Teil von
0: EY zu werden unter www.de.ey.com.
2: Rishi Sunak is to be the UK's new Prime Minister.
1: I am humbled and honoured to have the support of my parliamentary colleagues and to be elected as leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party.
2: Just two months after he lost out to Liz Truss in the last Conservative leadership race, it seems that second time's the charm. He's the first British Hindu Prime Minister, the richest MP with a net worth of £730 million. But what do we know about how he'll lead the country?
1: We now need stability and unity, and I will make it my utmost priority to bring our party and our country together.
2: Can Rishi Sunak steady the economy and unite the nation, or do we need a general election? I'm Gabby Hinsliff, in for John Harris, And you're listening to Politics Weekly UK for The Guardian. We're recording this on Monday afternoon at three o'clock, and we have yet to hear in any detail from Rishi Sunak. But joining me today are the observers Sonia Soda and Gavin Barwell, a Conservative peer and former Chief of Staff to Theresa May when she was in Downing Street. Uh, Hello both. Hi. 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 So, one-word reaction to the uh, prospect of Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, Sonia. Ah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but better than, better than uh, uh, other options. Less
2: are than it could have been. What about you, Gavin? <laughs> Relieved. Relieved. Okay, so that's a few, a few responses. So, today we're going to be talking about uh, how it happened uh, that we got our third Prime Minister in uh, about three months. And secondly, what to expect from a Sunak premiership. So Rishi Sunak uh, won't formally become prime minister until Liz Truss has tendered her resignation to the palace. But nonetheless, the former chancellor succeeds the woman who beat him less than two months ago, to the Conservative Party membership after Penny Mordaunt conceded literally at the last minute. Let's just recap on on how we got here. So, as outlined by Sir Graham Brady, chair of the 1922 committee, under the new rules, candidates needed 100 backers to get through to the next round. Then a closed private hustings and vote for MPs was to follow, and and if two candidates were still in contention, party members would then would then vote online. All of that's been short-circuited. We'll come in a minute to the role uh, played in all this by the blonde wrecking ball Boris Johnson, but first, here's Sir Graham Brady announcing the result, complete with the traditional table-banging from conservative MPs.
1: Good afternoon. Um, as returning officer in the leadership election, I can confirm uh, that we have received one valid nomination. <laughs> Rishi Sunak is therefore elected as leader of the Conservative Party.
2: So to step back for a second, it's been a roller coaster of a few days, in part thanks to the spanner chucked in the works by Boris Johnson, who flew all the way back from his Caribbean holiday to mount a comeback, only to fall somewhat flat on his face He said he had the backing of 102 MPs, although uh, 102 names were never made public and was confident he would have won a member's vote, but had chosen not to stand. Gavin, do you buy that? Do you you think Boris really did have the numbers and just sort of stepped back for the good of the country?
1: Uh, I don't think we'll ever absolutely know. I'm a little bit more inclined to believe it this morning than I was yesterday, because one of the officers of the 22 has said that they had received the nomination papers and and checked that there were valid names on there. So that that makes me more inclined to believe it. Now, I think the reason that he didn't go for it was it was clear that Sunak was going to beat him by something like 2.5 to 1 among Conservative MPs. And it's not just the quantity, Gabby. I think also if you look at the people that most people would say are the most talented people in the Conservative Party, they were nearly all backing Rishi Sunak. So the question that would have arisen was would would johnson have been able to f- form any kind of effective cabinet with the team that he would have had available to him and i think that's ultimately the reason that he backed off but if i was one of the mps that has spent the last uh few hours cheerleading for him i would be feeling pretty unhappy about being led right up the garden path
2: once again marched up the hill and marched right down again as if only there'd been some kind of clue that boris johnson yeah. might be liable to do yeah. that so i mean sonia is this is this it, you said you were kind of relieved compared to the alternative. Is this it? Do you see any route back for another Johnson comeback ever at some point in the future?
0: Well, I think it's really hard to see personally. I think Boris Johnson, I think one of the reasons why he didn't get more support from MPs is that he is, the polls suggest he is still a bit of a toxic brand with the country. And I think it is, you know, I think it's going to be, Quite a hard fight for the Conservatives at the next general election. I think they suspect they're looking at a very long period of opposition, um, and I'm not sure that Boris Johnson wants to be leader of the opposition. I think he'd quite like to be Prime Minister again. I personally just don't see the route to it for him. I think that's over. That's over for him now. But if I know anything about Boris Johnson, um, I probably know him less well than Gavin does personally. But um, I would say that he he still believes he still believes in himself. And he'll still be looking for opportunities and he'll still be waiting for Rishi Sunak to trip up and for there, God forbid, uh, for there to be another conservative leadership election for the next general election. But I don't think it's going to happen.
2: And presumably he now gets a newspaper column as well, somewhere from which to poke as many sharp sticks into into Rishi Sunak as he can. I mean, there was Mm -hmm. a clear sense that his return could have precipitated a crisis. There could have been MPs threatening, you know, MPs were threatening to resign the whip, threatening to cause by elections, we could have expected a market reaction as well, given the, the you know the pound rose after he pulled out. I wonder if he sort of made the few first few days easier for Sunak in a way, because there is that sense that well, it it could have been worse than this. Does that make the first few you know, the first week almost a little bit easier? Again?
1: Maybe maybe the first few hours. I think it's going to get very difficult very quickly. Um, I mean, I agree with what Sonia said. I think it's very difficult for the Conservative Party to win the next election, whoever they've chosen and i think to a degree many people in the party understand that and therefore they're thinking about two things first of all from a slightly self selfish point of view how many people can we save but more importantly i would argue for the people listening to this they want to try and restore some of the damage to the party's reputation that's occurred over the last few months and they want to do a good job for the last couple of years and you know try and get back some of that kind of reputation they have for being able to run the show competently even if people didn't always agree with uh, all of the decisions. And the, the the situation he's inheriting is an incredibly difficult one. I think he will be helped, Gabby, if he's honest with the public about the cause of the trouble. So I think if you say, look, part of this is we messed up and we've got to repair the damage we did. But also there's a whole load of things going on in the world that are making it very difficult at the moment. Labour will have a harder time pinning the latter stuff on the government if it's honest about the first bit of it, in my opinion.
2: Boris pulling out, obviously still left Penny Mordaunt technically in the race, um, hopeful of picking up his supporters. So up to half an hour before the the deadline um, for the results to be declared, I think Team Mordaunt was saying they had upwards of 90 MPs and were still fighting on. But just half an hour before the vote closed, George Freeman, who, who ran her first leadership campaign in the summer, went on the radio to say she should concede. So let's just hear what we had to say.
1: You know, if we were back in the summer, very different. But given the circumstances of the last few months, given the economic turmoil there is a genuine cost to any instability, any ongoing division. And uh, I've canvassed my local association this morning and overwhelming support was for MPs to get together, stop squabbling and form a unity and stability ticket. And I think, uh, I hope Penny will pick up the phone to Rishi and start the work today rather than on Friday.
2: And Penny's now had two failed leadership bids, but she'll perhaps be seen as doing the sort of decent unifying thing by
0: by stepping aside do you expect her to get a decent job now
2: with the sunak premiership
0: I reckon she will get a significant job, but it won't be as big as she would have got if she'd made it over the 100 MPs hurdle and then decided to withdraw and struck some sort of deal uh, with Sunak. So her position is quite significantly weakened by the fact that she didn't make it to the 100. I think Sunak will be aware, though, that he's got an incredibly fractured parliamentary party that he needs to sort of bring together. So I would expect him to do something quite different to Liz Truss. Liz Truss, everyone was surprised when... And she sort of packed the cabinet with her own allies and kind of kicked everyone else out. I would expect Sunak to be much more conciliatory. And the fact of the matter is, is that she still did get over ninety MPs who nominated her. So he won't want her to be on the sidelines, I would think.
2: But she's got potentially
0: useful skills as well, I and mean, she's quite a good communicator,
2: which isn't necessarily always. That's true. Sunak's strong point. Yeah, I,
1: th- I think if you were, if you if you're not aligned with one wing of the Tory party or the other, and you were going to make a list of the four or five most talented people available. After Sunak himself, you'd probably be looking at Jeremy Hunt, Penny Morden, Ben Wallace, Michael Gove, and I hope those kinds of people will all be in senior roles around the cabinet table because the, the the severity of the situation the country faces demands that we get the best talent into the jobs that the Conservative Party has available right now.
2: I slightly wonder if Penny Morden wouldn't be a very good pick for leader of the opposition, were Tories to find themselves in that position, because she's got you know you sense she's got cut through or she reaches people that that other Tories don't reach, and, and the sort of managerial experience becomes less important then.
1: I think Kemi Badenoch is someone to keep an eye on in that situation, is another person. I though, would I agree
2: with that. Both of them, yeah. Anyway, it was not to be, uh, for now, SUNEC has support from both left and right of the party, Remainers and Leavers, although um, the ERG noticeably didn't sort of come behind one candidate. I mean, this is a herding cats question, but what do you think are the next chances of uniting sort of the world's least united party behind him at this point?
1: It's going to be incredibly difficult. I mean, look, the wounds are very deep and they stem back to the kind of Brexit wars and then through the removal of Boris Johnson, there's a lot of personal animosity as well as ideological differences about where the Conservative Party should be positioning itself. But I think what Sonia was saying is is the key starting point, which is if you appoint a cabinet that reflects the broad spectrum of views within the party, then a you tend to know what the party is thinking because people people have got their kind of voices around the table, and b you have some lieutenants who can go and reassure people that are feeling unhappy so so I think the starting point in trying to keep the team working cohesively together is to make sure that you've got people from all the different parts of the tribe sitting around your top table and that's something that johnson failed to do it's something that trust failed to do and i don't think sunak is going to repeat that mistake
2: what kind of deal making do you think has been going on behind the scenes i mean normally in a in a sort of leadership contest you get all sorts of offers being made you know jobs being made promises being made on on what people do do you get do you get the sense that that's happened this time or that it's almost all been too fast for, for that kind of horse trading
1: um so I, I think, Gabby, that I don't see a lot of signs of that kind of deal offers specific job offers, if that's what you're talking about. I don't see much sign of that happening. And I think it reflects the strength of the position that Rishi's been is in. You know, he's come into this contest in an incredibly powerful position because he's basically been proved right on the big argument that dominated the last leadership election. And I think the momentum he was able to generate fairly quickly has allowed him to resist the usual kind of plea bargaining that goes on to try and get people's numbers to to the right level. And the, you know, the more momentum he developed, the more he would have felt confident that he could resist that. So I suspect what's happened is that he may well have said to people, there'll be a role for you in my team. But I'm pretty sure from what the people I've spoken to that he's tried to keep the space of avoiding specific job offers for specific people.
0: And you've got to, I think some of that comes down to the way that this leadership contest was designed and structured by the 1922 committee. So putting that very high threshold relatively of 100 MPs was a bit of a genius move um, from their perspective in terms of trying to unite the party around one maximum two candidates. And that removes a lot of the need for some of that horse trading behind the scenes. Talking of what's trading, I mean, Sonia, you said you didn't you didn't care what Tory members think. But I mean, their, their
2: last from a Tory member's point of view, their last two choices were both kicked out by the MPs. Their new leader is someone they previously rejected. They haven't had a say over that, whether or not we think that's a good thing that they haven't had a say about it. You would expect to see some kind of reaction to that, wouldn't you? I mean, some kind of backlash for that. I don't know how, how keen Tory members are necessarily going to be to go out leafleting for their new prime minister.
0: There probably will be some reaction, but I'm not sure how much of a difference it's going to make to a general election outcome because, you know, the structural fundamentals, as we've just been discussing, are so difficult for the Conservatives. To be honest, it's quite hard to motivate your members to come out and campaign in those situations anyway if, if the economy is going to be as tough as we Predict it might be by then. So, I I just what I really hope that both of the main political parties take away from this whole saga and, you know, what's happened to the Conservatives in recent weeks and months, but also what happened to the Labour Party in the mid, um, you know, 2010s. I've made this argument since about 2015, 2016, which is that in a parliamentary democracy, you know, the most important thing is that the leader of a political party, whether they're leader of the opposition, but particularly if they're prime minister, can command a majority in Parliament. And it is just not on to have a system where members can come in and on a one-member, one-vote basis override MPs. It's fundamentally undemocratic, actually. MPs are in a much, much better position to pick a leader of the party than um, you know a tiny, unrepresentative sliver of the electorate that constitutes party memberships. You either have to have MPs or you have to move towards a more primary-style system which which moves you away from parliamentary democracy.
1: So I would um I would agree with that, although I might not put it quite so punchily But I, I think what the Conservative Party needs to do is flip the system around. I mean, first of all, I think there's a case for a different system when you're in government to when you're in opposition, because you have to make the decision much quicker. We should not have had three months of zombie government over the summer. The country couldn't afford that. But secondly, you know, I think it is in political parties have to value their members. They're important. They they perform a key function and I think it's right to seek their opinion but the Conservative Party's got it the wrong way around. You'd ask the MPs first and then it lets the members make a final decision and the risk is you end up with someone that wasn't the MP's choice. I think it would be much more interesting certainly if you're in opposition you've got some time to see okay what do our members think and then the MPs take the final choice and that guarantees on Sonia's key point that you don't have someone that doesn't command the respect of their MPs. And both our main parties have fallen into that trap in recent years.
2: The people I have yet to get a look in, obviously, are the actual voters. Labour is calling again today for um, a general election at the earliest possible opportunity. Does either of you see a route to one in the foreseeable future?
0: I think the moral case is very, very strong for a general election. I think Labour are absolutely right to be making it. But I, I don't really see what the route is because I can't see... Conservative MPs voting in sufficient numbers with the opposition for a general election in a vote of confidence, unless something really major goes wrong with the Sunak premiership. And it is going to be very, very difficult and fractured for Rishi Sunak, don't get me wrong. But I don't see it getting to the stage where it's so chaotic that it precipitates a general election. I may be wrong. But
1: I think I would say the constitutional case is quite... Week. I mean, actually, more people have become prime minister in my lifetime by parties changing their leader than by winning an election. Actually, I would argue that the moral case was strongest with Liz Truss because she departed completely from the 2019 manifesto. And I think what you'll now see is a government that is closer to the mandate on which the Conservative Party got elected. Um, but to answer your direct question, Gabby, very quickly, uh, the only route I see to an election is if the Conservative Party can't agree on a plan for the economy, essentially. If if Hunt can't get enough MPs to align around the plan, then we're left with no alternative but an election at that point, I think.
2: Okay, let's pause here for a minute and we'll be back shortly to talk about what this means for the rest of the country. Welcome back. Rishi Sunak has stayed out of the spotlight since he lost to Liz Truss in September. And we'll go into what we can expect from his premiership in more depth on our usual Thursday episode, by which time we can hopefully um, expect him to have named a cabinet. And we'll look at what it means for the country and for the Labour Party. But for now, Gavin, what kind of Tory is, is Rishi Sunak? Is he Thatcherite? Is he One Nation? Is he something else entirely? Paint us a picture of what we've, what we've got, basically.
1: It's a good question. And I don't think we entirely know the answer because he's he's relatively new MP. He's not been an MP for that long. Obviously, the main way to judge him is through his period as chancellor. But you don't know how much of that was what he privately wanted to do and how much it was Johnson's. I think, you. sorry, I've lost all track of time, but the, the sort of March budget, I think, where the spending review was announced, if I've got that right. there was a, His speech then it started off channeling George Osborne and kind of um, fixing the roof while the sun is shining. Then he had a sort of middle Gordon Brown section where he was just dishing out large lumps of cash to everything under the sun, and then it finished with a kind of Nigel Lawson riff of well, actually really, I'm a sort of low tax person, and this is just a temporary aberration you now, my instinct economically he's a more traditional conservative than Johnson that uh, you know that would believe in a smaller state, lower taxes, but that the big dividing point with trust was that. She thought you could just sort of do that overnight, regardless of inflation, regardless of the fiscal position. And he takes a more orthodox position that inflation was the first concern that had to be addressed and tax cuts could only come when they were affordable. So I think it's kind of quite a traditional conservative economic um, position that he would hold. But until we actually see his government that he leads, we don't really know. It's remarkable in this very short leadership election. We've heard virtually nothing about. What the policy agenda would be.
2: That's been astonishing because no one's been asked or answered really any any questions publicly about policy. And we and we can have to assume that, you know, so much has changed since time You can't even go on what they said last time around. It's all been I was talking to one of your colleagues, Gavin, he's like what what do we know about the candidates? And he was just like basically vibes. You know, that's it. That's all that's all we know. So we what do we know about his strengths and weaknesses though?
0: Well, so I would agree with much of what Gavin um, just said, although I, would, I think of him as a real fiscal hawk, actually. If you look at um, how the pandemic played out, and I was somebody who thought for a long time, actually, his political competence has, is, has been really overrated as a politician. I thought he did deliver the furlough scheme and he got a lot of credit for that. But I think that stuck too much. And I sort of also think that there was not much else that he could have done. And he also had some very good Treasury civil service around him who were the architects of that plan. I think a lot of the decisions that he made during the pandemic and what he was pushing for actually shows quite a lot of incompetence in office so he was we know because his aides were briefing during the pandemic he was one who was pushing for lockdowns to happen later now that's just economically inarticulate really and then there are political questions around him as well around his political sort of instincts what we saw around the holiday hunger the fact that you know the the government picked a fight with marcus rashford not once not twice but three times and was forced into u-turns that seemed to me to come quite a lot from soon Treasury, um, which I think shows how fiscally hawkish he is. So I think it's true that on some things he's been proved right. You know, Liz Truss was wrong. But I mean, come on, we were all everyone there. thought that Liz Truss was wrong in terms of what she wanted to do. I also think the fiscal hawkishness is going to be extremely painful. It's going to mean when he and uh, Jeremy Hunt sort of act in concert, assuming Hunt stays in, in the Treasury, which I think most people are expecting, we're going to see some a very, very painful round of spending cuts
2: there's a naivety there as well, isn't there? And that's what I've always thought about, Tsunak, is the, you know, not understanding that your wife having non-don tax status might be a thing and that potentially it might be a thing that your own colleagues in government might, who knows, leak against you. You know, there's, there's a not quite understanding how the game is played that really came through actually in losing to Liz Truss in the membership election in the first place. It wasn't a great campaign. The candidate who was not as strong won. You know, that is, that's not a brilliant sort of tribute to your political
1: yeah so look, i so i think the leadership campaign started bad and improved as it went on and i think as as it went on and he got into the substance of the economic argument he did better um look i think there's an interesting thing about british politics at the moment which is that the leaders now of both of our main parties are not really politicians you know i think that starmer is a public servant but i don't think he likes the kind of adversarial politics and and i agree with some of what Sonia said i think rishi I think he's a very good communicator i think he's smart official civil servants liked working with him because he was across the detail of his brief he is quite as sonia was implying he's quite an orthodox treasury figure and what we've learned over the last few months is that that has strengths and weaknesses that sometimes treasury orthodoxy is right like don't don't, don't, do borrow, tens of like, don't have of unfunded tax, tax cuts, cuts yeah. right and don't force the bank to drive up interest rates unnecessarily But sometimes the Treasury can be a bit politically tin-eared because it's it's the only person around the table trying to keep the public finances in a decent state. It's sometimes not very good at judging, here's somewhere you need to hold the line, here's somewhere where actually this isn't politically sustainable and you need to give a little. So I think he has the strengths and weaknesses of Treasury orthodoxy. One of the things I'll be really interested to see, given the job I used to do, is the sort of number 10 operation that he builds around him. If you take the view that he's someone who's bright, good communicator but doesn't have that kind of deep political instincts he can, he's going to need some people around him to support him with that
2: and it's quite difficult to find those in a difficult situation where you think this might not be a government for much longer do you want to come in and take a job with it I mean he we should say also he he will be our first non-white prime minister that's quite a big potential sort of moment in the life of the nation what what effect do you think that has Sonia? how significant is that
0: well, I think it is really significant. It's the first prime minister of color that the country's seen, um, a man of, um, you know, Indian heritage. And I think it would be churlish not to acknowledge that. I think that we can hold in our heads as ups that that's a significant fact while also at the same time, you know, if you're me writing editorials from the Observer, a center left newspaper, thinking that his politics are pretty terrible, um, he's, quite overrated, I think, politically, and also recognising that he's one of the richest men ever to hold the office of Premier, which, um, you know, does sort of raise questions, I think, about how in touch he is with um, the sort of normal, everyday struggles that people are going to be facing in the coming months um, through the cost of living crisis. I think it's significant in a way that it also makes it quite embarrassing for Labour. So Labour has only ever had white male prime ministers. Um, the Conservatives beat them, you know, with the first female prime minister and has now had three female prime minister and now has, um, you know, the first man of Indian heritage as well. So I think that that is a um, you know, it does show up Labour. You know, somebody who used to work for the Labour Party many years ago, I've sort of, I felt those, those barriers as it were. The Labour Party does have a problem. It's not meritocratic when it comes to women and people of ethnic minority de- descent. I'm not saying that that means that the Conservatives are, but my God, they've done a better job of, of getting some, some of those people to the top of the party. Gavin,
2: can you shed an alarm there? Because there, I mean, there would be plenty of female Tory MPs and female MPs from ethnic minorities who would say, you know, that they would faced those kind of barriers within the party as well and yet somehow leadership seems to be more open
1: Look, so I think there's, there's prejudice in all political parties um, no, no party is immune from that but I think the Conservative Party will be really proud of this as it was proud of having the first female prime minister I think let's be honest good news is in short supply at the moment and this is something that says something good about Britain uh, I think it will be noticed on the international stage we should be able to divorce i don't agree with the policies of this person from the fact that we have somebody you know a person of color as our prime minister in this country for the first time is a good thing and should be celebrated by everybody whether or not you happen to agree with the policies that that individual is going to
2: And he's going to be judged in the end, isn't he, on what he does. He's going to be judged on what he delivers. He's going to be judged on the policy position he takes like any other prime minister would be. So perhaps we should come now, I suppose, to what we we know at this stage about about what he is going to deliver. I mean, it's not a moment where many people would arguably choose to be prime minister. You know, he faces economic crisis, potentially foreign policy crisis brewing. There's a very big judgment call coming potentially on Ukraine, you know, public sector strikes over pay looming. Labour thirty points ahead in the polls. It's not, it's not a sort of the entry of anyone's dreams. What do you think? Is his? Do you both think his overall priority out of that is going to be the economy, or do you think he's going to be overtaken by other events?
0: It's got to be the economy, really. I mean. Britain, I think, is facing its biggest economic challenge for decades. And, you know, let's be fair, some of that has not got anything to do with the Conservative Party. It's a fact that actually we've got a really long term growth issue in this country, a productivity challenge um, that actually governments of both colours have never really addressed but conservative governments have made it worse you know in two ways first of all through Brexit plus also 12 years of austerity and you know these are very significant public spending cuts all the clues are from Sunak is that he will be very focused on the fiscal hawkery and on you know putting in place some very painful public spending cuts to sort of try and make the sums add up. And so I I worry that the next two years are actually going to leave us worse off as a country, both materially in terms of people's day-to-day lives and in terms of the longer-term economic challenges.
2: Gavin, can we expect any change on Brexit at all? I mean, it looked as if under trust there was a bit of a movement to, to, you know, reset our relations with Europe and a movement on immigration policy, actually. Where would you expect him to be on that? Yeah,
1: so I, I don't think a significant change. You know, I think his instincts will be to try and find a solution to the protocol and avoid a kind of trade war with the eu both for economic reasons and because of ukraine and it's the last thing that anyone needs right now but he is going to be constrained by the need to keep the party uh in one place you know what interests me on the brexit front. if you look at the polling the public is becoming more and more of the view that we made a mistake Mm -hmm. and neither of our main parties wants to talk about it neither of them wants to talk about it just my very final sort of quick thought, I would say to you. I think in a way, the state of the polls and the reality of the prospects at the next election can set him free a little bit. I I would almost say to him, just focus on doing what you think is the right thing for the country. If, if I think back to the period with Theresa, the period after she'd announced she was standing down was the bit I remember most fondly. Because we stopped having to worry about where the party's mood was on X or Y and all the details of Brexit. And we could just think, what could we do in the next few months that would be good and would leave a good positive legacy and he can almost if he approaches it that way he might almost find that's the best thing also to do for getting people to think better of the party that he leads
2: because in a sense he'd have nothing left to lose i mean for
1: and try maybe and have maybe there are some if you take underlying growth maybe actually try and build some party political consensus around some of the solutions which are complex are going to be long-standing policies. And one of the things I've learned since I left politics is that business hates the constant shopping and changing. So if we if we can all acknowledge that the UK has had a problem with growth for a long time, and that the solutions are a complex mixture of relationship with Europe, levelling up, human skills, etc., cetera, et cetera, then actually maybe try and engage with the opposition a bit and see if we can get some consensus on some of the solutions.
2: In a way, then, he could be our first prime minister with nothing much left to lose. Imagine that, a government actually doing what it felt was right for the future of the nation Well, we live in hope thanks so much today goodbye both of you thanks very much for having us on gabby thank you gabby and thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did make sure you subscribe to politics weekly uk wherever you get your podcasts and even better leave us a review preferably a nice one this episode was produced by frankie toby music by axel qta the executive producers of maz ebdohaj and nicole jackson